It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, April 18th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, specifics on where exactly PG&E's multi-million dollar Kincaid fire settlement will end up. Something's bubbling under the state's surface. Hear the latest on Sonoma County's push to harness geothermal energy. National Native News takes us inside a high school gym in Alaska as students compete in the Native Youth Olympics semifinals. And after updates on local news and weather, Sid Brown fills us in on Nevada County's three state parks. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall. More than 8,000 nurses and other workers with Sutter Health are on strike today over concerns about staffing and health and safety protections. Employees at more than a dozen Sutter hospitals in Northern California are calling for a contract that guarantees hospitals provide a stockpile of personal protective equipment. Longtime Sutter nurse Renee Waters says staff need to know Sutter will protect them in the next surge. Through this whole pandemic, the amount of moral distress and moral injury. I've talked to numerous nurses that had to go out on stress leave. They questioned if they even wanted to be a nurse. Every year, California prisons hand over hundreds of people to immigration authorities. But in a rare exception, one Cambodian national was released on parole late last week and reunited with family without being re-detained. KPCC's Josie Huang has this report from Downey in Los Angeles County. The family of Atia Young waited outside the rehabilitation hospital where he was being dropped off. When a white ambulance pulled up, one of his sisters peered through the doors to see if it was him. Tears fell as the family showered Young with hugs, flowers, and cupcakes. Young smiled as his two-year-old niece climbed onto a stretcher. I haven't touched her or gave her a hug or a kiss since she was born. Young had been in prison for more than 25 years, during which he suffered a spinal cord injury that paralyzed him. He and his supporters think that's why authorities at ICE lifted a detainer on him. ICE has only said Young wasn't an enforcement priority. Young says there's no reason why anyone who served their time should have to worry about being detained again. It's like you don't know which direction you're going to, you know? You don't know if you're going left or right or if you're going straight home, you know? A bill pending before the legislature would let these immigrants go home by stopping most state prison to ICE transfers. For The California Report, I'm Josie Huang in Downey. Millions of dollars PG&E agreed to pay in its Kincaid Fire settlement with the Sonoma County District Attorney will go directly to local groups. KQED Senior Science Editor Kevin Stark reports. Prosecutors awarded $6 million to Santa Rosa Junior College, most of which will go to its Fire Technology Program and Public Safety Training Center. Another $6 million will be split between the Conservation Corps, five different health clinics, and other nonprofits. FireSafe Sonoma will get a million dollars. Roberta McIntyre, the group's CEO, says that will pay for wildfire prevention work, education, and outreach. You know, from the smallest, like, address numbering to some defensible space work in neighborhoods, bigger project might be some roadside hazard reduction along some primary evacuation routes. Prosecutors dropped the criminal charges against the utility as part of the settlement. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org/health-equity. 
The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Within the next two decades, all of California's electricity needs to come from renewable sources. That makes geothermal energy, energy from heat in the earth, more appealing. From Northern California Public Media, Greta Mart brings us to one area in Sonoma County that's been testing geothermal's potential for half a century. There are 15 different power plants scattered across the Mayacamas Mountains, north of San Francisco. This, below my feet, is the Clear Lake Volcanic Field, and it stretches below Sonoma and Lake Counties. Scattered under 45 square miles of steep, rocky, and rolling hillsides are pockets of heat and steam that start deep underground. It's known as the geysers, and Sonoma County Supervisor Linda Hopkins says this network of geothermal energy produces enough electricity to pretty much power from the Golden Gate uh, to the Oregon border. At this, the largest geothermal field in North America, heat radiating from the Earth's core rises through vents and bubbles through mud springs. So we can reach down, drill down, and mine the heat that's below us. In a company video, Calpine's Dave Jackson explains how the geysers has been so productive. We uh, inject water into the ground. That water hits the hot rocks, turns into steam, and then flows up to our turbines through our production wells. It's clean energy, but not self-sustaining. Production here peaked more than 30 years ago. And at a public meeting, Sonoma County Supervisor Linda Hopkins pointed out why power generation at the geysers is thirsty. You know, it has struggled with the amount of water that it uses, quite frankly. Public agencies from Lake County to Santa Rosa have been sending treated wastewater to keep turbines at Calpine's private plant turning. That's expensive, but Hopkins has hopes for a better way. There is actually new technology um, which creates closed-loop systems and can also sort of operate on a much lower heat level but still generate that energy. New state mandates for clean power guarantee future demand for geothermal. That's why a nonprofit public energy provider called Sonoma Clean Power wants to add 500 megawatts of energy production here. Sonoma Clean Power's Jeff Cyphers says the first step is to establish a regional geozone. To send a signal to the marketplace and say, this is a region that is interested in geothermal development. And we really haven't seen any new geothermal built in California since the 80s. And what we're trying to do is reinvigorate that industry. Sonoma County public officials, including Hopkins, want to help. They're backing research and development of new geothermal resources in the North Bay. Cypher says Sonoma Clean Power is investigating new technologies that use water more efficiently. And that means we can start looking at places outside of the traditional geysers area. That could boost geothermal energy in other parts of California in the years ahead. For the California Report, I'm Greta Mart in Sonoma County. And finally, some good news for ski resorts in the Sierra Nevada as a spring storm brought several feet of fresh snow to the mountains over the weekend. Soda Springs and Palisades Tahoe got as much as a foot of snow yesterday. UC Berkeley's Central Sierra Snow Lab says seven-day snow totals topped three feet in some mountain areas. Mammoth Mountain in the eastern Sierra says it's received enough snow to remain open for skiing and snowboarding until Memorial Day. 
And that's the California Report for Monday, April 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening. Tonight in National Native News, we get a front row seat at a test of a hunter's strength and agility. Well, maybe not exactly. Alaskan high school students compete in the Native Youth Olympics semifinals. Although now for sport, many of the events are based on practices used to determine a tribe member's hunting prowess. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Students from Bethel and Dillingham schools in Alaska recently gathered to compete in the one-foot high kick and nine other Native Youth Olympics events. The games determine who from those schools will make it to state competition. KYUK's Olivia Eberts reports the games have a particular significance for students with Yupik heritage. The gym at Bethel Regional High School is as quiet as it can get. All eyes in the bleachers are on the court. Eighth grader Danielle Patterson is starting her pre-one-foot high-kick ritual. If she gets this kick, she stands to beat her own personal record by four inches. Patterson stands in front of the seal and caribou-skinned ball hanging by a string from a wooden post. She looks intently at the ball, then kicks her leg high and straight at it while pointing her toe like a ballerina. This is practice. She takes three large steps backwards to the starting line. And then I rock back and forth, and I always shake my hands because that, like, calms me down. Then she starts her approach. I try to run really fast and then try to do a slight jump stop so I can have my momentum. And her process must have worked. Patterson has just won the one-foot high kick event with a personal record. I, I, I can't stop shaking after kicking 70. The one-foot high kick is said to be a test of a hunter's strength and agility. Bethel Regional High School Athletic Director Darren Lieb said all these games have a special significance. These games kind of translated from inside a sod hut or whatever back in the early days, not only just to keep them busy and sane, but to keep them in shape. Another coach, Wilton Charles, says they've been played all over the Arctic, though each place has its own variation. Charles is from Tuxuk Bay on the coast. He says the Neil Jump has a particular meaning for coastal Yupiat. Our ancestors used to kayak with their knees on the base of the kayak and then nail jump out of the kayak. Charles and Lieb stress that these are just games and lots of the kids I talk to say that's what they love about the Native Youth Olympics. It takes some of the pressure off but it is still a competition too and a challenging one at that. The most skilled Native Youth Olympians will compete at the state tournament on April 20th in Anchorage. In Bethel, I'm Olivia Eberts. An article in the Chronicle of Higher Education points to progress made at Arizona State University in recruiting Native American faculty and students to the Tempe campus. Mark Richardson has more. Arizona is home to more than 20 tribes and about 400,000 indigenous citizens, but until the late 1990s, they were underrepresented at state universities. ASU founded the Center for Indian Education about 20 years ago in response to a growing number of indigenous students on campus. Center Director Brian Brayboy said there was a clear need to hire more Native faculty members. We wanted to get really intentional about listening to our students who were saying to us that they wanted more faculty that looked like them and they wanted to be seen. They felt invisible. And so we sat down and we made a plan to try to address that. Even though the Native students make up only about 1% of ASU's enrollment, many are the first in their family and in their community to attend college. Brayboy says that led them to recruit 60 indigenous scholars in teaching positions. 
Mark Richardson reporting. Bemidji State University is hosting a series of events this week leading up to Earth Day on Friday. The university has partnered with several Minnesota colleges and universities to offer both events in person and virtually. Monday's agenda includes a discussion on Indigenous and Western science. A list of events can be found online at BemidjiState.edu. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Support by the Gathering of Nations Powwow, a live event taking place April 29th and 30th on the powwow grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, trader's market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at gatheringofnations.com and at the gates. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Shortly past 3 p.m., a big rig caught fire on westbound I-80 near the Highway 174 off-ramp. Units at the scene requested lanes be shut down for cleanup. One westbound lane on I-80 at Highway 174 is now open. However, the slow lane is shut down from Secret Town to Colfax. This reported by Ubinet. The Tahoe Rim Trail Association opened their guided hike registration today. Both youth and adult hikers of all levels can explore the Tahoe Basin Ridgeline. Multi-day backpacking trips take hikers on portions of the Tahoe Rim Trail and explain pre-trip planning, meal preparation, and water resources while hiking along particularly dry stretches of trail. More information at TahoeRimTrail.org. A 1.5-acre park filled with pink and white cherry blossoms will be a new addition to Sacramento's urban forest. The Sacramento Tree Foundation, a nonprofit organization that helps the community engage with the city's tree canopy, is partnering with the City of Sacramento, the State of California, and businesses to bring a cherry blossom park called Hanami Line to Robert T. Matsui Waterfront Park. The nearly $7 million project is expected to open in 2023. Hanami refers to a Japanese tradition where people celebrate spring with loved ones under groves of cherry blossoms. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, showers mainly after midnight with a low around 43. Wind up to 16 miles per hour with gusts as high as 23 miles per hour. Tuesday, showers likely mainly before 1 p.m. Cloudy through mid-morning, then gradually clearing with a high near 54. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, rain possibly mixed with snow showers mainly after 11 p.m. with a low around 31. Wind between 20 and 30 miles per hour with gusts as high as 50 miles per hour. Tuesday, rain and snow showers turn to solely snow showers after 8 a.m. Breezy with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour and a high near 41. The National Weather Service has issued a lake wind advisory in effect until 11 a.m. Tuesday for Lake Tahoe. 
A winter weather advisory is also in effect from 2 a.m. tonight to 11 a.m. Tuesday for those above 6,500 feet. Expect total snow accumulations of up to 5 inches and 6 to 12 inches west of Highway 89 above 7,000 feet. Ridgetop winds will gust up to 100 miles per hour. Plan on slippery and hazardous road conditions. The greatest impacts will be felt on higher passes such as Donner Summit, Echo Summit, and Mount Rose Summit. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, showers mainly after 1 a.m. with a low around 54. Wind up to 13 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Tomorrow, a chance of showers mainly before 7 a.m. Cloudy through mid-morning with a high near 68. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Up ahead, Sid Brown from the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation takes us on our bi-weekly A Walk in the Park. Stay tuned for the latest on Western Nevada County's three state parks. First and foremost that's coming up this week is Earth Day, April 22nd. So I encourage everyone to take a moment. You know, for me, every day is Earth Day, but appreciate this beautiful place where we all live. There's going to be um, extra special activities going on throughout the community. But, you know, you don't have to do anything organized or special. But if you see a piece of litter, maybe pick it up and you hear a bird song, say thank you. Well, there's lots of things going on at Empire Mine State Historic Park, South Yuba River State Park, and Malakoff Diggins State Historic Park in the weeks to come. So this a um, little message for you. Walk in the Park is going to be talking about a lot of specifics. And if you miss it in this little segment, you can always go to our website at sierragoldparkfoundation.org. Information will be there as well as on our Facebook page. Sierra Gold Parks Foundation exists to support all of the state historic and state park units in western Nevada County. So We put on special events and support state parks in a variety of ways. Most recently, this month in April, has been um, Arts, Culture, and Creativity Month, and our foundation has supported special events at Empire Mine and um, to come at South Yuba River State Park. Um, We have a photo walk with Aaron Theme, scheduled for Saturday, April 23rd from 2 to 4. That's a free event with park entry, which is just $5 per person. And that's at Empire Mine State Historic Park. We ask that people try to pre-register and you can find out information or get more information by emailing sierragoldparks at gmail.com to sign up for that special photo walk with Aaron Theme on Saturday, April 23rd from 2 until 4. We suggest you bring your camera, wear comfortable clothes, and there will be lots of highlights that you can see at that time, including the blacksmith shop, the machine shop, other buildings that were the hubs of Empire Mines' success. And down at South Yuba River State Park, we've been having our wildflower walks on Saturdays and Sundays, and those continue through May 8th. And those begin at 10 o'clock in the north parking lot near the Buttermilk Bend Trail. 
And those wildflower walks are about 2.5 miles out and back, take a couple of hours. So they begin at 10 o'clock at South Huber River State Park. And we're excited that we're going to be having bird walks at South Huber River State Park. And the first one is this coming Saturday, April 23rd. And that hike will begin at 8.30 in the morning. Need to get there early to catch those birds. So we're resuming our docent-led bird walks. They start at the north lot at South River State Park down at Bridgeport by the kiosk at 8.30 and follow the Point Defiance Trail across the Bridgeport-covered wooden bridge and into the historic center of the park. That hike takes about two hours from the beginning. That starts at 8.30 on Saturday, April 23rd. And then at Malakoff Diggins, um, we are starting some interpreter-led hikes Saturdays and Sundays, starting at the museum at 11 o'clock in the morning. Again, these all are free with your entry South Uber River State Park and Malakoff Diggins State Park is just $5 per car. So that's a great, great bargain. The interpreter-led hikes at Malakoff are titled Tunnels and Environmental Impacts of Mining. And the dates for April are next Saturday, the 23rd, and Sunday, the 24th. And again, the next Saturday, the 30th of April, and those tours begin at 11 o'clock in front of the museum at Malakoff Diggins. As the weather warms up, we encourage people to be very mindful about cold water and take all safety precautions, and remember to please obey all signs, no fires, no alcohol and glass in these state park units, and please be a part of the solution to the problem of of litter and garbage and and impact. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting your state parks and Sierra Gold Parks Foundation. I will be missing you next time, but I'll be back toward the end of May for a whole, whole slew of new information to share with you all. Thank you. That's our newscast for this Monday, April 18th. You can listen to the extended version of A Walk in the Park on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sid Brown sits on the board of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation and joins us every other week with news and updates from Nevada County's three state parks. Learn more at sierragoldparksfoundation.org. KVMR gets support from Sweetland Garden Mercantile in downtown North San Juan, offering fruit trees, veggie starts, fertilizers, organic soils, and drip irrigation for spring garden preparation. More information at sweetlandgm.com or 2929000, dig it. And Hanson Brothers Enterprises since 1953, providing aggregates, construction services, equipment rentals, ready-mix concrete, masonry and landscape products for public works, commercial and residential projects. Located in Grass Valley and Colfax, gohbe.com. 
Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, we have Educationally Speaking instead of our normal Women's International News Gathering service. Join host Scott Lay, Nevada County Superintendent of Schools, and Kimberly Ewing, Nevada County Superintendent of Schools Arts Coordinator and Seven Hills School Middle Grade Teacher. This episode is particularly near and dear to the KVMR News Team as it features the KVMR Youth News Corps. You'll hear from all of our Youth News Corps reporters as they speak about the origins of their interest in radio journalism and what they have coming for you up their sleeves. KVMR General Manager and Youth News Corps Program Director Allie Lightfoot joins the conversation, and I'm in there as well. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Tune in Tuesday, April 19th to hear KVMR's live broadcast of the League of Women Voters of Western Nevada County's Candidate Forum for the June 2022 primary elections. Candidates for Nevada County Supervisor District 3 and 4 will participate in this first forum from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Listen live Tuesday, April 19th at 6 p.m. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.